0: Uh, Angela Davis will be giving the keynote address at the Audubon Ballroom, which is now the Shabazz
1: Center. Um, Democracynow.org will be linking to that YouTube stream. Ben Crump will also be speaking. I will be saying a few words. And Malcolm X's
0: daughter will be introducing and giving a keynote as well, Dr. Ilyasa Shabazz. So go to democracynow.org for the details. I'm Amy Goodman with Juan Gonzalez.
1: And you're listening to radio station W usb in stony brook at 90.1 fm and 107.3 fm and to the entire world on WUSB.fm. it's six o'clock on a tuesday evening and that means it's time for another episode of off the wall A very good evening to everybody. The program is off the wall. Uh, Manuel Goldstein here with you, joined tonight by Kyle. Um. Hang on. I don't uh, have your mic turned up yet. It takes time. Okay, go ahead now.
0: I didn't say anything. I just said, um, and that's like the cardinal thing not to say. So, uh, howdy.
1: Yeah, you can't say, um, or, uh, or... Yeah. Don't do it. Just. Duh. You can't say that. Takes training. They write these things down on the wall. Don't say that. That's
0: pretty much all that radio stations have written on the
1: wall. Well, no. There's the seven dirty words you can't say. But then there's also uh, the, what's that, 163 words that just make you sound like an idiot. And some of them aren't even words. Some of them are just like, you know, air sounds. and it's Okay, we don't have to get into that now, but... Um, we're here on another Tuesday evening. We have a lot to talk about.
0: Right? In, in, yeah, intimate. Uh, for, if uh, newspapers are sort of like third grade level, we're like fifth, maybe sixth.
1: We try. <laughs> we, we, we always are, are soaring ever upwards. So it's uh, classic radio here. Mm-hmm. We, they're not classic as in classic hits, right? No, oh from God. the community. Yeah. And not no, cla- classic not classic cult either. Old school. Oh classic does take up a lot of radio, doesn't it? Um, we're classic and- talk. Classic talk radio, right now anyway. Because at seven, it's not it's gonna be it's gonna be Finn. In fact that's a category in and of itself. Finn is a category.
0: Folksy radio. Yeah.
1: Um, hey, um, I don't know what's going on with winter folks. People keep writing in as if we're responsible for it somehow. No it's it's messed up. Okay, we, we we said something like this was bound to happen with climate change and all. Well, look around you. The climate is changing. It's 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 changed. Uh, winter apparently is canceled uh, for uh, the New York Metro area. No snow, barely any freezing temperatures. What gets me is, um, I mean, I understand. You know, you go to the local shops and people are like, "Oh, what terrific weather! I'm outside now, washing my car." You don't you don't want to yell and scream at them and i'm sorry for those instances where i lose my cool but uh, it's wrong it's wrong to be in 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 the northeast during winter and have spring weather throughout it's wrong but you know you're forgiven because obviously you can do more fun things outside um but there'll be a reckoning in the future not to sound too dire what i really have a problem with though are the people on television the weathermen who are saying. <laughs> well, we uh, we're having a great winter this year because we're not having any snow and it's it's um, balmy temperatures. You know better. You know this is bad. You know this is wrong. You know it's going to uh, mess up the, the the crops and the insects and everything else, not to mention the entire environment. Um, winter is an important part of the year. <laughs> and to not have a winter is a is is a, is, a, is a bad development. Now, it's still mid to late February, and we still have a bit of March, so fingers crossed that something will happen. I, yeah, I know we've had a couple of cold days. No, that's not enough. I'm sorry. I require at least one significant snowfall, all right, and at least a week of, of temperatures below freezing, <clears throat> consecutive. Then, then, you know, we can, we can improve the mood around here.
0: Yeah, that um, summertime heat comes around, and you have the same sensation with everyone so enthusiastic about the bright, sunny days. And um, though, you know, pleasant weather is always great, the variability and severity of stuff is is really uh, becoming troublesome. Uh, the- that,
1: but Kyle, you see, walking right into it, don't use the P word. Don't use the P word. Pleasant, I mean, pleasant is, is subjective. You know, my pleasant is your hell, you know?
0: Not all the time.
1: Well, most of the time. And, and, you know, I'm in disagreement with a lot of people about this. But when people say pleasant weather, you know, if you're a weatherman, don't say that word. Say warm weather. You can say warm. Maybe to you, warm is pleasant. Okay, fine. Go to Florida then. (laughs) You know, but pleasant? No, it's unpleasant for me. How about that? Well, okay.
0: But I guess the quarrel is not with weather casting itself. Because well, there's a lot of variability, and there are a lot of weather-casting uh, uh, personalities that are true uh, characters, and, and, and they have lives, too. And they're, they're reading the, the, the feel of their locale and what's going on in the community, just as much as we do here at WSB Stony Brook.
1: Yeah, uh, well, here's from today's Newsday. Uh, it's, it's no joke Yeah, it's no joke. Long Island is on the verge of setting records for the warmest February and the least amount of snowfall in a single season. That's according to the National Weather Service. Might have heard of them. The highest mean temperature for February was, and this is Fahrenheit, was the 47.3 degrees recorded at Long Island MacArthur Airport in 2018. Um, The mean temperature so far for this February is 48.4. So we're a full degree above the former record yeah it's only the 20th of february uh and 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 still there are cold fronts moving in that could change things and those cold fronts could also bring snow but of course it's not likely to stick around it being late february now less than one inch 0.7 of an inch to be exact seven tenths of an inch has been recorded at macarthur airport this winter And that's far less than the 25 or 30 inches that the region usually experiences. Less than an inch. The record for the least snowfall was set during the winter of 1997-98. And that's when 2.6 inches of snow fell on Long Island. So we're at 0.7 right now.
0: Yeah. So, so very, very low. And um, it doesn't even feel like it's even happened that that there's even that much recorded in most people I mean that definitely some storms hit upstate definitely or I mean west New you know, York New York and, and in other
1: areas in the northeast I was going to I was going to compliment you today saying this is a you know a good story and then they have to write a sentence like this What Monday's high temperature was a pleasant 60 degrees again with the p word you know it wasn't pleasant. It was hell. It was horrible. 60 degrees. In fact, I saw it go up higher. I saw a, temperature, a thermometer go to 68. That's just abnormal.
0: <sighs> Had all the winter insulation out and clothing ready to go. Scarves and hats.
1: Tomorrow's forecast calls for a slight chance of snow, sleet, and rain in the afternoon with a high near 44 degrees Fahrenheit. You got to be below 32 Fahrenheit, though, for it to stick around. Calls for uh, the forecast uh, calls for a hundred percent chance of precipitation Wednesday night. A low temperature of 33. It's one degree above. <laughs> they know they're annoying me. <sighs> All right, just enough of that. I just, I'm sorry. I, I don't usually rip up stories on the air, but whoa. this it just it annoys you- me so much.
0: I did not expect... Look, are you okay? Let's talk, Wait, you more, no, let's
1: talk about something more pleasant. You let's sure? talk about, uh, about dispensaries opening up on Long <laughs> Island. Uh, actually, you know what? All of Nassau County is blacklisted from having uh, uh, dispensaries because the stupid townships voted not to have any dispensaries. Yet. Yeah, but right now, Nassau County is not going to have a dispensary. But uh, also from today's Newsday um, comes word of the cannabis place. A firm licensed to open a recreational pot dispensary in Queens. And they're planning to make delivering to Nassau County a major part of its business model. So So they're going to fill in. They are going to come to your house, your business, uh, your bus stop, wherever it is you happen to be, uh, and um, uh, supply you from outside, from the more enlightened boroughs or, or counties. So they'll be in Queens. I imagine the same thing can be done here in um, in Suffolk County, uh, we can deliver to those poor people in Nassau County that don't have dispensaries.
0: So yeah, certainly, I heard a story from up in Ontario, um, or I don't know if we talked about it or I was watching it, but it was the lowering of prices to deal with the. Uh,
1: we did not talk about this on the air, but we saw it on, on Canadian TV. Yes. In Canada, where it's legal nationwide, uh, they are lowering the price uh, to compete with the illicit market. Because the the um, uh, legitimate market—I'm putting that in air quotes, by the way— the uh, legitimate market um, was basically significantly higher priced than what you could buy in alleyways and uh, parking lots.
0: I would uh, say that's true in New York in some of the initial rollout, but that the quality is is the same— um, you know, as, as you would expect anywhere, you know, it's very consistent. So, um, and, and the startup costs and so forth are, are huge, but that um, far along in, in something, uh, especially in that, that example, uh, Nassau County filling in like that, the, the whole mechanism for like an, an online store. Cause I think that that's really effective. And um, they did the same thing in Canada early on, like being able to look at um, what they're purveying and, 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 get it to you uh even like in uh, remote areas like with the delivery
1: i, I have to apologize i had a, a story here with uh a whole bunch of uh, dispensaries that were opening on long island i don't know what there's happened there's like three uh, no there were like eight um and um some in the rush to to prepare for the show i must have mixed up stories these are actually bubble tea places that are opening Apparently, there's a rush to open bubble tea places all over the place. Oh, yeah.
0: I was wondering why we were... I thought we were going to get to that story a little well, bit later. I, I had
1: a list of... Was Hicksville and Hicksville. I, I should have known. That's in Nassau County. Uh, you can have bubble tea, but you can't have pot. So, I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, it's exciting. And I think they were both legalized around the same time.
0: I didn't know that, but, that tea was legal there.
1: Uh I think it is. I think it's it's still controversial. But, it's, um, but it, it doesn't affect us right now, so... Um, there might be bubble tea places opening up in your neighborhood, but there are uh, dispensaries. You might have to wait a little bit longer. Suffolk County, though, there will be dispensaries at some point. I keep hearing that, but I don't hear specifics. And as soon as we find out about that, we will um, uh, let you know. But um, we visited a new dispensary in Manhattan over uh, the past minute. week. There was, a, there was a, a third one. I missed the second one somehow. Now there are three, all below 14th Street. Uh, and and what, what do you think of that experience? No,
0: I'm thinking of cannabis boba. I mean, you could make that, right?
1: Yeah, not on the air, though.
0: No, not at all. We wouldn't. But, uh, okay, this is a great idea um, to uh, open up some of the um, formal places where you can get stuff that's licensed and um, distributed. And then there's a a tax that goes to the state. And, um, yeah, we've tried... um, uh, some of the retail outlets that are in the city—they're all s- sort of in the same area. Generally, it's a very um, methodic process. And but I, at this new location, um, I think they had a, a little bit better uh, website, which I was talking about earlier. Is very important um, so that people can get an idea and they don't have to commit to something or maybe they want to pick it up later. You can
1: place your order online, but you can't pay online because they can't take credit cards or um, uh, do anything federal. So you have to go in there either with cash or with some kind of um, uh, app, I think, that that might work.
0: Yeah, and that was distinct. I think the first one that opened, the Housing Works site, you were able to do some kind of bank transfer debit, but they hadn't any of this, like... uh, order now pay as you pick up kind of model which i think is a little bit better anyway it was um very welcoming good environment and um different selection so there were products that were not available at the other place which uh-huh. is great cuz this is these sites and and uh, the re- retail locations that go with them are the only way you're kind of really getting a chance to see what the state uh, growers are doing, mm-hmm. so that that was really exciting
1: yeah I mean, it's it's always coming from within New York State from farms upstate and 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 local producers, which I think is is great
0: I like learning about the areas that they are and that the farms are
1: and each dispensary so far is is benefiting people who have um, uh, been the targets of anti uh, uh, pot legislation in the past and have paid very unfairly for that. So it's really good to see an attempt to right that wrong, or those many wrongs over the over the decades.
0: So this store, it had a it has a great name. It's very simple, very low key, which are a lot of them are too. There's they're the opposite of a lot of the um, sort of unlicensed places that were being shut down recently. Uh-huh. We covered a couple of those stories, which they're really flashy. There's a lot of tongue in cheek graphics. This is well, like kind of. Uh, tongue-in-cheek, but very um, low-key. Like, uh, it's like going into a, a nightclub or we something. We won't
1: give the name out, but they, they, they call themselves a travel agency. Let's put it that way. And I imagine they correct anybody who goes in there trying to book a vacation. Unless it's a pot vacation, I don't know. But the point they're is, they're
0: very explicit about what kind of vacations yeah, and trips they're there. There's offering. somebody to greet
1: yeah. you at the door, and but there wasn't a line this time, and it was very quick and, and and easy. That's and pleasant. The conversations, like this, is what I keep recommending to people: go into these places and either have a conversation or listen to the conversations that are taking place. They are so friendly, enlightened, uh, intelligent, personable. Uh, yeah, very the staff personable. like
0: wants to get to know you, and and of course, if you're. Um, participating and checking things out and and um interested they're they're definitely um attentive and want to want to introduce you to what they're all about and um i want to go to more of them i want to it should be easy it should be low-key it shouldn't be uh like a a ribbon cutting every other day i think i think they kind of want to get away from that because it's really nice i mean we explored that and covered it and and that that's a wonderful thing but the i think some of the statements even was that they didn't want these things to be a a big um uh event every every time you know right. it should just be a normal everyday thing um and, and i i think that's a great sentiment for a lot of um uh initiatives that have some kind of public good behind them so this is a good good story i hope it it, it is uh not challenge, you know, not challenging, and and just uh, goes smoothly.
1: Now, uh, we we went into the city. We decided not to drive into the city this time because there were a couple of things we wanted to do, and one of them was check out the brand new Grand Central Station or Grand Central Station Madison. Or Grand—wait—it's Ce- Grand Central Madison. Is what? Grand Central Madison. Yeah, okay, that's the part that the Long Island Railroad now goes to. It's—it's it's, you know, basically the biggest um, uh, uh, investment in uh, mass transit or, or transit of any kind in like a hundred years in this country. It's—it's it's incredible. It, it, it simply is incredible what they have done. We'll get into that in just a second. But first, we had to figure out uh, how. Well, we know how to take a train into the city, but you know, you got to park and. Um, Lately, around Stony Brook, there's been some, some contentiousness involving parking, uh, <laughs> especially with the university, because uh, they're, they're rolling out a new parking plan that has the whole community in an uproar.
0: There were actions on campus.
1: There's been discussion on the radio it here. Is, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, there's coverage on USB, a lot of good coverage. Great coverage. Uh, it, it, and it's, you know, if you, if you read in the uh, local um, uh, Stony Brook newspapers on campus, of which is more than one, um, you'll hear there are rallies about this, rallies that were held by, by the Social Socialist, the campus socialist, which may sound funny, but when you realize, you know, well, it's, it's a social issue. It's something that uh, involves fairness and equity and all that. Why shouldn't socialists take the lead in that? So um, I think we need more more events like that to uh, wake people up as to who is really on your side. Um,
0: Everyone's talking about
1: it, though. Yeah, it it affects everyone. You don't have to be of a political, particular political bent. Um, But basically, uh, you know, the nutshell is that everybody will be paying significantly more. Uh, and that there will be more parking restrictions, and that if you think you can just go onto campus and park your car and run into a building and come back out, no. <laughs> it's not going to be like that. You're going to have to pay to do that. And uh, you know, from what I uh, – I, I just took a brief look at this, but it looks like you have to get a permit. You can't just pay unless you go to a particular lot where you can pay for an hour, but most people will have to pay for a year, <laughs> which is bad if you if you only do a radio show one hour a week. You know, It doesn't really make much sense paying 600 bucks for the privilege. And, um, you know, a lot of people uh, can't afford this, this sort of thing. So all that's going on. That's the dialogue that's going on. It's so an
0: odd dynamic. It, it puts really people is. people in a pinch.
1: We wanted to park our car in a place that was safe. <laughs> we weren't going to get ticketed or towed or booted or, or whatever they do these days. Um, and by the train station, there, there's a couple of options. There's the off-campus train parking and there's the on-campus train parking. Now, the on-campus train parking has been there for, for a long, long time. And I think it's something that the university just kind of gave to the uh, local community as sort of, um, yeah, we know we annoy the hell out of the local community sometimes. So here's some parking, please leave us alone. Um, that's pretty much it. And a, a portion of what we call North P lot, um, is, um, uh, allocated for long Island railroad commuters. Um, there's another huge parking lot called South P lot, which, uh, it's far away from campus and, and massive, and a lot of commuter students go there, commuter students. I don't think you need a permit for that lot, but you do need a permit if you're a Stony Brook student who parks in North P-Lot as a Stony Brook commuter student. Now, it gets a little confusing here because that lot is divided uh, into sections. There's a section. It's a smaller section than it used to be, maybe because of COVID or something, but it's um, it's a section that's for Long Island Railroad commuters, and that's right next to the section that's for Stony Brook student commuters. Now, Long Island Railroad commuters do not need a permit. At least at the Stony Brook station, you do not need a permit, either for the off-campus parking or the on-campus parking, if you're a Long Island Railroad commuter. If you're a Stony Brook commuter, though, you need a permit to park in that section of North Pilot Okay, you all with me? <clears throat> you can write it down. You might need to. So, we wanted to make sure that uh, we were going to do this right. So the, the day before we were going in, we, we kind of just uh, researched the whole thing. And uh, we saw that in the student section of North P-Lot, there were some cars that had tickets on them. These were cars that didn't have permits to park there because, as I said, you need a permit to park in the student section of that lot. In the train section of that lot, where you don't need a permit.
0: General public, presumably. Yeah.
1: I saw a car with a ticket on it. Now, I don't usually do this. I, in fact, I've never done this. But I was I was just filled with curiosity. How can, how can you get a ticket in a lot where you don't need a permit? So I walked over to the car, and, you know, the, nobody was there. So I just opened the envelope. It was unsealed. And read the ticket. Because I wanted to see what they got a ticket for. They got a ticket for parking in the wrong lot. Because they had a Stony Brook student permit. So on campus... You can get a ticket for having a permit. Everybody else didn't get a, a ticket because they didn't have a permit. This poor person <laughs> had his Stony Brook student permit displayed. And because of that, campus police gave him a ticket. Now, I'm not offering free legal device here, but I would say to this, this poor person, wherever you are, uh, that the question of jurisdiction comes into play, uh, that... Um, The uh, Stony Brook uh, uh, um, ticket writer. What uh, business? Why why were they in the train lot? That's not part of of their territory. They should be in the student lot writing tickets there. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't just wander into various places writing tickets willy-nilly. It's a free transit zone. So I think, yeah, I think. And plus, you know, maybe you are on the train. Maybe you are a Stony Brook commuter student who, who usually parks in the, in the student part of the parking lot, but on this particular day, you were taking the train somewhere, so you parked in the train part of the lot. What, oh. are you supposed to physically remove your permit every time you, you, your life changes a little
0: bit? It wasn't a sticker. That's all I'm going to say about the permit. So, yeah. But I'm not defending this, this uh, errant uh, ticket writing.
1: Yeah. Well, anyway, the point is, uh, we, we figured it out, and we parked, and we were fine. So uh, I don't want to spend too much time talking about parking.
0: And boy, that Long Island Railroad is smooth.
1: It's smooth. It's good. It's a train. Yeah, it, it got us there. We we actually were lucky. We got a train that skipped a whole lot of stations. Uh, but at Jamaica, what you do now, until the 27th when the schedule changes and, and uh, the permanent schedule goes into play, right now, though, you can take a shuttle train that goes from Jamaica Station to Grand Central Madison. And that's the only way to get there. So uh, um, it's it's a it's a twenty twenty two minute ride, and um you basically just go into a different tunnel and, and what
0: that means is it's a reduced schedule essentially but and so these very um uh few and far between uh, trips less connections from multiple places and um but definitely regular traffic yeah, and see, it was it was directly in there i don't uh, I
1: don't understand the logic behind this because they they run the train every half hour from Jamaica. Except during rush hours, uh, rush hour going in, rush hour going out, when they run it not four times an hour, not eight times an hour, once an hour. They reduce it during rush hour. I don't get that. Why would you reduce it during the rush hour? You would want to run more trains then, wouldn't you? And the, the, uh, there's, there has to be some logic there. And I hope when they uh, implement the new schedule on the 27th at the. Uh, they actually have a lot more trains, not not less trains. That would be ridiculous. Anyway, I think so, it has
0: something to do with factoring in all the other train schedules. That that schedule is going to uh, yeah, but they're in- only interact. going to
1: one place. They're only going to to uh, to Grand Central from Jamaica. I don't. They should be able to handle okay. as many trains. It's as they like want
0: the train equivalent of like a soft opening, I guess.
1: Well, it's a soft headed opening. It's
0: quickly well, changing. Though. Okay,
1: so we went, We made it to uh, Grand Central Madison, uh, and um, and there we were at the very bottom. Uh, Track 302. (laughs) Now, they don't have 300 tracks there. I always got confused by this. Uh, Basically, uh, 301, I I think it's 300, 301, 302, and 303. Or no, maybe it's 301, 302, 303, and 304. I think that's it. Uh, Those are all on the very bottom level uh, of Grand Central Madison. And this is the new level that they carved out underneath Grand Central Station. Now, above that are... Four more tracks, uh, track uh, 201, 202, 203, and 204, also for the Long Island Railroad. So you have two levels, four tracks each, and they're kind of insulated. So it's not like Penn Station where it's all open; and you can see all the tracks. You basically just see two tracks, so it looks smaller than it is, but it's not. It's it's big and it's deep. And you're way down there.
0: Yeah, you're under all, everything that is underneath uh, Grand Central itself. Uh-huh. And it is spectacular when you're pulling in there and um, everything leading up to it when the um, train descends. is It's, it's uh, uh, very quiet. You might notice, like, maybe your ears, like, a little bit of a pressure change. And then it's so bright when you you come into this, like, two-track um uh, platform area it's uh, incredible uh all the stone and and um uh, finished work it's it's a, a brand new s- station that is uh ready for all kinds of uh people to come through there and and there's pathways basically overhead mm-hmm. and then i guess what you would call like a um um uh kind of like an overlook or a path at the top Part I think it's a 200 level uh-huh. uh, where you're uh, at the bottom of the escalators that that connect to. You can look the down to, to the
1: level below that, and you, you-
0: can see at very various uh, from the platform level. You can look down at the the lowest platform, so that. Pair of tracks, but um, there are like kind of catwalks and sc- well, go above. Um, you,
1: you mentioned that this is a, a very German type of thing, and I think you were thinking of Hauptbahnhof in, in Berlin, where basically you look down, all of a sudden there's a huge drop. Uh, you know, it's it's glass, but it's it's architecturally uh, very impressive, and you're able to see so much.
0: Europeans uh, um, have some of that. It, it opens up the space. And it's already a, a very open space. It's but- an open
1: cl- space. It's a clean space. It's a quiet space too which surprised me uh and yeah you just have this feeling that uh i'm in a real serious train station here they got it right look grand central was already an architectural masterpiece but what they did was they they added levels below that that match grand central it is so worth going there just to just to see it just to explore because grand central before all this was huge and i really didn't spend much time exploring it because i would always go into penn station because that's where the train went this opens up all kinds of, um, of, of new worlds and, and access capabilities. You can connect to Metro North now, and eventually Metro North will be going to Penn Station as well. So, yeah, you'll be able to buy a ticket here on Long Island to go up to Westchester if you want, for
0: whatever reason. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. There's uh, multiple uh, very, very, very steep uh, escalators that, <laughs> yes. that serve this. Um, Don't fall down those escalators. And so much possibility i the, the I think the um ticket machines are not in there yet there's stump some, some um, remaining things to be finished and tested out. I think we saw some like escalator um, I guess supervisors just just there in case something goes wrong and uh, checking to make sure everything remains reliable and well and and just um preparing for all of those connections. Because as it was now, I think we were looking at one of the schedules, everything was to Jamaica and, um, you know, it's basically being um, bring, being prepared for um, more destinations and, we, and arrivals. And we stuff. went
1: at a very interesting time because, um, as I said, there was just one train per half hour from Jamaica at that time. And um, that means that on those those lower two levels, you know, tracks three hundred one to three hundred four and tracks two hundred one to two hundred four, uh, there was only one train and not very many people. So we were in a section of Grand Central that was very quiet, very clean, very
0: empty. It reminded me of uh, visiting the U fifty five.
1: That's a that's a underground line, U um, bahn, in Berlin again uh that's only has i think 3 stops and almost nobody uses it and it's very clean and very quiet
0: well and we first visited it when it was like either just completed or partially completed and very few people were riding it and it basically went one to one stop and back and uh, back again mm-hmm. um, for like basically all day all day and very late, and it was very,
1: um, very bored driver of that train,
0: yeah, and there was just like big air purifiers and not much else but I, it's I am bra- just so, it 's brand new i 'm so impressed
1: with it's some of the projects a triumph. i mean we, we we totally even overlooked the 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 three track um, um, project that finished recently for, between the uh, was it Floral Park and Hicksville, where you can basically trains can pass each other now. It's um, a lot of improvements. But one improvement that we really, really need badly is electrification out to the Port Jefferson uh, North Shore branch. Because, you know great as this is, nobody out here can take advantage of it because the double-decker trains that we have out here won't fit through the tunnel to get to Grand Central, so you're going to have to switch someplace, whereas everywhere else, you can get on a train that goes directly to Grand Central. So, you know, electrification solves that. It's it's well past due for this to happen. Faster trips to the city, easier access to uh, places here. The kind of development that's good development, and, and it, it, it cuts back on pollution, you know, diesel fumes and 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 rumbling engines all night long, that kind of thing so
0: well these sort sort of foundational uh projects make uh, uh the uh, outside stuff like um you're talking about on the 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 furthest ends of the lines being uh, ready to go for for uh, smaller projects than this yeah. and and they take less time to put together and, and get funding and, and get going and on this is a
1: good time to be doing it too when there's less ridership although ridership is is bouncing back um, but it's a good time to really start investing and expanding and that we're, we'll see the benefits of this for a very very long time to come and this is this is why it's such a good thing to um, uh, to spend occasionally on infrastructure which is something we we seem to have forgotten how to do and until recently, um, Okay, moving on, though, uh, because uh, there, there, are, there are far more important things to uh, discuss. And, of course, we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of um, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, which we've talked about quite a bit on this show and on this station. And, um, you know, over the um, over the weekend, I believe, uh, there was um, a rally in Washington, D.C. Did you hear about this? It's um, protesters against the war in Ukraine. Now, usually... I'm with protesters protesting war, because usually, you know, we're starting the war somewhere. This, to me, is very, very different. And I, I, I feel a lot of people saying the same thing. A lot of people that you would not think would be on the same side. Like, for instance, uh, in, in um, the East Village in, um, in Manhattan, you see Ukrainian flags everywhere because people support Ukraine against the Russian invasion. And, uh, yeah, it puts them on the same side as the U.S. government. You know, it happens occasionally. Sometimes you agree on things with people that you disagree with on other things. And, and, and unfortunately, there are those who just can't get their head around that. And uh, that's kind of what happened in D.C. on Sunday. Um, they were demanding that the U.S. stop sending weapons to Kiev, uh, disband NATO, and join China and Russia in creating a multipolar world. Uh, whatever that means. Um, now it's weird because this um, this article says thousands protest the U.S. involvement in Ukraine, and the article says a thousand people attended the Rage Against the War Machine rally. And this comes from a news outlet called Al Mayadeen. We'll get into that in a second. But a thousand people attended the Rage Against the War Machine rally. Uh, which included former State Department speakers, politicians, journalists, and activists. Former Senators Ron Paul. Ron Paul. Not Rand Paul. Ron Paul. Remember Ron Paul? I do. I didn't know he was still alive. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't mean to be rude, but I, I did not think he was. How was that possible? Okay. Uh, Republican of, of, of Texas. Ron Paul. Yeah. I haven't heard from him in, in decades. Uh, remember Dennis Kucinich? Yeah. Democrat of Ohio. And former Representative Tulsi Gabbard, who people seem to think was a Democrat, and it was pretty obvious she wasn't. Uh, they were all there. Um, yeah. <laughs> and um, you remember um, remember Jill Stein? Uh, she yeah. she uh, uh, ran in 2016 for the Green Party uh, against both Clinton and Trump. And I remember uh, on the other radio show, um, some people might might remember this, I called her an idiot. And the reason I called her an idiot was because, you know, she um, um, basically didn't battle Trump, but did battle Clinton. And in not battling Trump, like so many people seem to want to do, she gave him a free pass didn't call him on any of the nonsense he was saying and just spent all her time attacking Hillary Clinton, kind of like what Julian Assange did kind of like what a lot of people on the left did and basically wound up helping Trump. So I called her an idiot for that. And then I, I also called her an idiot uh, for, um, um, basically stealing money. Uh, well, that doesn't make her an idiot, though. Uh, in fact, my I, I even gave her money after calling her an idiot, saying, okay, you're, you're going to fund uh, a recount of the election. And turns out that uh, she accepted all the money, but the money went somewhere else, went to pay her staff and for various other expenses, and a lot of news articles about that. I felt bad about calling her an idiot, but you know what? I don't... I can't think of any reason not to, and then on this um, this rally on Sunday, um, she came back into the um, in, into the the world of news by saying the following. Do we have do we have this queued up? Take take a listen to this. So yes, Russia illegally invaded Ukraine, but did so with a gun to its head. <laughs> yeah, this is what they're spouting. Russia invaded Ukraine with a gun to its head. Okay, how does that work exactly? How do you invade a country with someone holding a gun to your head? Because you're the invader. You're the invader. The, the, the line of thinking here is that Russia had no choice but to invade Ukraine because Ukraine was getting too cozy with the West. First of all, first of all, Ukraine is not Russia. Ukrainians are not Russians. They are different. Language is different. Culture is different. History is different. These are facts. So <laughs> Ukraine can do what they please. If, if, if they want to ally themselves with Colombia or India, or whatever country they feel like, they have that right because they're their own country. I mean, that's not hard. These people are saying that because Russia felt uncomfortable with these former Soviet republics becoming more westernized, that they had no choice but to march in there and, 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 and try and take over. And, and never mind all the bloodshed. And the civilian casualties that have taken place as a result and the well-documented war crimes that have taken place. Never mind all that. That's all somehow the U.S.'s fault. Because the U.S. made this inevitable. No matter what, the simplistic line of thinking, it, it, it always blames the U.S. for crimes that take place through other regimes. Now, I'm not saying don't blame the U.S. There's plenty to blame the U.S. for I do that quite a bit. But I like to do it intelligently. And this is stupid. This is absurd. This is saying, and, and you know, we get this all the time, can't believe you guys are, are aligning yourselves with United States foreign policy. You might as well work for the CIA. Yeah, that kind of idiocy. Because we see people suffering. We see people being victimized by an imperialist par, uh, power namely Russia at this particular point in time. And we take their side because the U.S. government also takes their side. Does not mean we're working together. It means we happen to agree on this one thing. Now, I can go back in history. I can go back to when the Soviet Union broke up and say, boy, we screwed that up big time because we had an opportunity there to really bring Russia in and to make this work. And instead... We continued to treat them like an enemy. That was a mistake. But that was the 1990s. It's 2023 now. And we have to work in the present. And that means if a superpower invades a much smaller neighbor, well, it's not hard to figure out what side to take. (laughs) You know? And, uh, you know, other, other... Leaders. In fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue uh, with this story here. Just to get to the end of it. Um, I'll tell you how the story ends. Guess who? It, who it quotes? Last month, former U.S. President Donald Trump said on January 27th that. He could have influenced a cessation of the war in Ukraine within 24 hours by negotiation if he were still president, adding that the war would not have happened if he was still in this position. If I were president, the Russia-Ukraine war would never have happened. But even now, if president, I would be able to negotiate an end to this horrible and rapidly escalating war within 24 hours, Trump said on the Truth Social platform. Just a day earlier, Trump called out current U.S. President Joe Biden's decision to transfer 31 M1A1 Abrams tanks to Ukraine because he believes it may instigate a reaction by Russia to deploy nuclear weapons, warning that it could lead to a World War III, stating on Truth Social, in all caps, first come the tanks, then come the nukes, get this crazy war ended now, so easy to do. That is how this news story ends, with a quote from Trump. That is what so many of the people at this rally were basically saying as well. Somehow implying that Trump knows more about this and can can fix this. Trump can basically ensure, as he did with the Kurds, that people are screwed and that Ukraine becomes part of Russia. He can do that. And maybe that's his idea of what peace is.
0: That's what it would have looked like. Exactly. Yeah, he would have uh, capitulated Mm -hmm. over and over, like doing backflips.
1: This I, I mentioned that this came from a news outlet called Al Mayadeen. Uh, And I had not heard of them before, but basically uh, they are um, located in uh, Beirut, in Lebanon. Uh, And they are a um, a media outlet that is basically widely seen to be uh, supportive of the Syrian regime and of Hezbollah and all those nice people. And if you support the Syrian regime, well, you're in bed with the Russians then. So this is a very pro-Russian news site, and that's why you have nonsense like this being passed off as news. So it's, it's, it's just really dismaying to see people fall for this, intelligent people fall for this. There was a great article. Um, that actually came out in December. You know how you find articles and you think they're new, and then you, that little tiny print, there's a date, and it actually uh, this came out months ago. Um, this is in um, uh, a publication called Foreign Policy. You can find it on foreignpolicy.com. Hard left's anti-U.S. ideology turns it against Ukraine. Just read a little bit of this, but it's well worth reading the whole thing. As the war in Ukraine drag- drags closer to the one-year mark... It's not unreasonable to expect it to end eventually in some kind of negotiations. The crucial point is where one places the onus of responsibility for starting and ending the war. For a certain segment of the progressive Western left, peace through diplomacy means one thing, even if they will rarely say it openly, Ukraine's surrender on Russia's terms. Yeah, um... The support for Ukraine in most Western countries is a mainstream consensus. This includes Ukraine's biggest and most reliable partner, the United States, where protecting Ukraine's sovereignty has firm bipartisan support. as Standing ovations across the aisle during Ukrainian President Zelensky's historic address to a joint session of the U.S. Congress on December 21st showed. Um, Yeah, so uh, that's all a given. But Western uh, support for Ukraine has invited hostility on both fringes of the political spectrum. For the Western hard left opposed to U.S. militarism, uh, their own anti-American, anti-Western worldview is so absorbing that they will readily take the side of any aggressor in the anti-Western camp. Similarly, they will eagerly oppose any country supported by the United States. This is where persistent sympathies among a segment of the left for repressive regimes like Russia's and Iran's come from. It's not that they approve of repression per se, but the reflex to align with the anti-American camp is stronger than any disapproval. For the hard left, demands for a diplomatic solution always seem to come down to stop helping Ukraine and let Russia have what it wants. Yeah, I couldn't say it better. Again, read the whole article on uh, foreignpolicy.com. dot com. It's um, it's disgusting, I think, and it's it's just so cowardly, <laughs> you know. If 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 you look at past conflicts such as World War Two, and you apply the same kind of thinking, well, why, how would you stop Germany from from expanding and getting whatever it is they want, <laughs> you know, and 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 defeating the U.S. war machine? every situation is different you know vietnam is different iraq is different afghanistan is different but ukraine it's a different animal completely
0: yeah you're they're lucky they're not hearing about what's going on with it as as much as uh the realities you know the horrors of it um have been covered uh, but the point is to act in the present. I mean, you can regard history, but, um, the imperative and the urgency of the situation calls for, um, you know, understanding scale and not mischaracterizing sort of, um, deterrence and, um, uh, defensive postures as, as though, um, they're the same thing as a, like, uh, forward invasion of sovereign territory and um yeah i just think this uh silliness is uh it's it's a uh, quite uh blind i think to to the um the necessity of yes an an overblown um military industri- industry and and there's so much caution there and oversight and and stuff that is needed and it has been um misused and and um full of missteps mm-hmm. and um no one wants to be at, um um at the doors of these entities asking for um scaling up weaponry i mean it's a, it's absurd that we are here uh with the rest of the world but as a is uh, a large alliance, not this like um uh what was it, tri uh trilateral uh, tripolar uh state. I mean it's um a, a much larger alliance than than two thirds of that.
1: What what I don't get is, you know, seeing the these the so called rallies um where people are demanding that um, the U.S. worked together with Russia and China. Um, they're not having rallies like that in Russia. These people are not going to Russia or encouraging people in Russia to speak out against a country that's invading another country. No, they don't do that. If they did that, I would have some respect for them. You know, maybe you actually are even-handedly pursuing peace. But no, this is just... Because you don't approve of U.S. foreign policy, period, anything that is U.S. foreign policy is evil and must be stopped, never mind the people that are being victimized by this other power. And this is something that I think people forget, you know, when when, there's a difference between an invasion and a war. To me, a war involves two countries, at least both being attacked Well, Russia is not being attacked. Russia is is fine. You know, they're the ones that have gone over the border. Either through Belarus or directly into Ukraine. And they have their eyes on Moldova now. And don't forget what they did in Georgia. So this doesn't end with Ukraine. But Russia itself? No, they have not been attacked. Except maybe their pride has been wounded because Ukraine used to be part of an empire they were once part of hey, it's too bad. That's, that's, that's history. That's how things work. Ukrainian people decide their fate. And they did. And you're trying to take it back, and you can't. I don't know what's so controversial about that. That's just basic human rights. And to see people say that, uh, you know, Russia was forced to do this with a... Hang on, I got I got to play it again because it's just... It's just so priceless. The um, the quote from Jill Stein.
0: So yes, Russia illegally invaded Ukraine, but did so with a gun to its head.
1: Yeah. It's just so silly.
0: Yeah, its own gun.
1: Well, maybe, yeah. It's holding its own gun to its head. But Putin gave a speech today. I don't know if you saw any of it. It was a couple hours long.
0: I miss it. I couldn't find it on the schedule when I was going to record it.
1: Well, uh you'll be happy to know I did record it. I found it. it oh, you actually, did? uh BBC was was um covering it. CNN was covering it, but the only way they covered it was to basically show Putin speaking and then cut back to one of their anchors telling you that he was speaking but not letting us hear him. And I disagree with that. Uh although, you know, it is a bunch of nonsense, but I think I think that, you know, audiences are intelligent enough to, um, you know, to figure it out on their own. Of course, in their defense, it was morning drive time. And I guess two plus hours of Vladimir Putin speaking might not have been the best ratings grabber. But um, there, there, there should be places where people, and you can probably find it on YouTube, the entire speech. But it, it will likely put you to sleep, even though he's basically calling for more war.
0: We need trustworthy sources these mm-hmm.
1: days. But to, to see to see the um, uh, summation, it's going to be a little bit of this from uh, the Associated Press. Uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin accused Western countries Tuesday of igniting and sustaining the war in Ukraine, refusing any blame from Moscow almost a year after the Kremlin's invasion of its neighbor that has killed tens of thousands of people. uh, In his long-delayed State of the Nation address, uh, Putin cast his country and Ukraine as victims of Western double-dealing and said it was Russia, not Ukraine, fighting for its very existence. Um, (laughs) If you read through all this, you will find staggering similarities to what was being said on Sunday at that rally. Staggering. And it's... um, it's basically people buying into propaganda, you know? Now, you don't have to buy into someone else's propaganda to fight one particular source of it. In this particular case, you know, put yourself behind any country that supports Ukraine and say, yeah, you're with these people if you don't like uh, to support the foreign policy of, of of a different country. So if if U.S. foreign policy bugs you, okay, you know what? Japan just gave them a whole lot of money. <laughs> so... Uh, so many, uh, so many um, uh, nations, so many people that support Ukraine. I think we all should be standing up for people who are fighting against an invasion. It just, I, I can't get past that.
0: Maybe the person that makes your sandwich down at the deli, that that uh, shop convinces you. It's a, a strong sentiment, and um, the point is. Um, To uh, stand in the face of it, united, Um, and that sentiment is out there, and it's um, it's uh, uh, taking a long time. And I think there is a lot of fatigue. Like I said, we're lucky not to be looking at the horrors of what has taken place there one year long.
1: All right. Well, that's our view on it. Uh, You can write to us otw at twenty six hundred dot com. We'd love to hear from you. Please stay awake, stay alert, read as much as you can, have a critical eye towards everything. And keep listening to WUSB. Finn is coming up next. You won't be disappointed. See you next week. Good night. Bye.
0: There's dancing. Behind movie scenes, behind the movie scene. Sabirani, She's the one that keeps the dream alive from the Life. Free and food on 45. Well, it's a free and food on the 45. Free and food on the 45. Well, it's a and food 45. <laughs> and dancing behind movie scenes, behind those movie screens. Everybody needs a bosom Everybody needs a bosom for pillow Everybody needs
1: The, um, that's the uh, wonderful, one of many wonderful uh, remixes of uh, Brimful of Asha from one of my favorite records of all time. When I was born for the seventh time, thank you for Ian K. for playing that. I'd like to think with all the uh, Indian music references in there that that was dedicated to me because I just came back from India. That's right. That's right. A little Asha Bosley, etc., etc. So, yeah. So thank you, gentlemen. And uh, you're listening to WUSB Stony Brook. This is Finn's Revolution.